Carol Robertson's birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carol. Happy birthday to you. All right. It's, it's uh, such a special occasion that's her birthday that she even brought her two pagan daughters along to church <laughs> for a change. It's good to see you guys, Kristen and Cassie. No, they're great girls. I'm just teasing. They're normally away at school, so once in a while they put in an appearance here, but two great, two great kids. So, And by the way, because on Wednesday nights, sometimes we've prayed about Jim's businesses, business dealings, and it's been a tough time. The Lord's really starting to do some cool things, and he's starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, so that's a great thing, too. Amen. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to finish this 12th chapter and then some. Been trying for a couple weeks. Paul has been giving advice in this chapter, and an awful lot of the, of the advice centers around the idea of just how to get along, how to get along with others, how to make your life not a constant drama of, you know, just things falling apart and things out of control, and, and um, just some, some great advice that he has shared here in this chapter, and he's been saying things like, as we saw last week, don't repay evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And verse 18 kind of sums it all up. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Not always possible, but do everything that you can to not be fighting with others to not be at odds with others. It's amazing how many times our life could be so much more peaceful if we just shut up. You know, and it's like you just have to get the last word in. And so many times I've thought, why did I do that? Why didn't I just, they were, this person was ready to walk away peacefully thinking that they were right and that I'm wrong. And now, I've contended that I'm right, and they're more sure that they're wrong, and they hate me. And it's like, I haven't persuaded them. Why do I care so much if somebody else is wrong? Especially someone who's combative, someone who wants to argue about everything. Man, if we could get ourselves not to worry so much about that, if we could just let people go away in peace, you know, the, the old expression... I think it's from Proverbs where it says, don't go away mad, just go away. It's not really from Proverbs. But, you know, it, it's true. I mean, we make our lives so much more difficult sometimes. And Paul's just going, just keep the peace. It's not that big a deal. Very few things that you get stressed about are really that much worth worrying about anyway. And then he says, don't avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When someone does something bad against you, 
you want to get even because you feel like somebody needs to take this person out. Someone needs to make this person pay. And if I don't see anybody else doing it, I think I'm just the man to make it happen. And that's kind of the way, you know, we think so often somebody has to do something. Well, maybe somebody has to do something, but it doesn't always have to be you. A lot of times, if you just let something go, you're giving God an opportunity to deal with it. Now, if someone's messing up and they really need to be judged, then God will judge them. There's no doubt about it. He, he's good at that. But some people don't really need to be judged. What they really need is God's grace. They just need to sense God's forgiveness. It's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. And the problem is when I take it upon myself to fix things, I'm not always sure of which of those kinds of treatments are needed. And not only that, when I lift my hand against my brother or sister, or even someone who isn't my brother or sister, the, the wear and tear on me, I mean, it's just, it's not a healthy thing for us to get even. Because you just never know when you're even, too. It's back and forth and back and forth and, and eye for an eye and, and pretty soon nobody has any eyes left and turn the other cheek and you run out of those. And it's like, again, so often, how about just, if somebody needs to be nailed, let God do it. You're not the one to have to do it. It's not your job. Doesn't God promise that anyone who crosses his people who needs to be judged that he's going to do it? I mean, he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. But there's an interesting principle here, and that is it seems like if I take vengeance on someone, then God says, okay, if you want to do it, then I won't. And I can only, I'm not that good at vengeance. I mean, sometimes it'll be really overkill and I make myself look stupid, or I'll blow my stack and, and blow my testimony and then I'm really upset. It's amazing when you get bitter against people, it almost never makes them feel bad. In fact, it kind of makes them feel justified because there you are, this crazy, upset person. I remember one time years ago at Calvary Costa Mesa when there was a guy there that was just a, he was just a complete nut, but he used to show up at church and yell and interrupt services and say awful things, and um, God ended up taking care of him, but um, he's gone. <laughs> but um, I remember one time he was screaming at the back door of the church. I was back there with Pastor Chuck, and this guy, his name was Dan Armand, he's just screaming at Chuck, calling him really bad name. First he goes, when are you going to let me minister? And then he starts going, you blankety blank, and using really foul language. And it was funny because people used to say, oh, you're kind of like Chuck's bodyguard. Well, no, like in this case, I was Dan Armand's bodyguard because <laughs> Chuck, well, Chuck went after him and, I, and I'm on Chuck's back hanging onto his arms as he's, and then this crazy guy, Dan, is going, and look, he's violent too. 
And, and so often that's what happens when, when we go, I'm going to get you. Then they go, look at the kind of person that you are. Look, you're an angry, upset, bitter person. God says, my timing, my way. We're talking about the God who could snuff somebody out in an instant. And he says, will not you let me deal with it? Because not only is he gracious, and what he does may turn an enemy into a friend, but even more than that, there are people out there who really need to be beat up. There are, I mean, I, I, sometimes you, you hear so many stories about sometimes the way husbands treat their wives or fathers treat their kids, or something, and I just think what the church needs is hitmen. And I was just like, just some, uh, some enforcers that would just, you know, that, that will go out and beat a little sanctification into somebody once in a while. But the truth is, then you go to jail and every, and now if somebody from here goes and beats somebody up tonight, I'm going to be liable, although I, you know, I stirred that up or anything. So I'm telling you, no, there are... <laughs> Please, if you do that, don't blame me, okay? But, but at the same time, there are some people who, frankly, just need for somebody to really beat some sense into them. <laughs> that was my nice way of putting it. You know who's really good at that? God. When you talk about his power and his knowledge and his patience, too, and the fact that he created everyone and he, like Bill Cosby said his dad used to say to him, I brought you into this world and I can take you right back out again and I can make 20 more that look just like you. <laughs> I mean, that's God. He can do whatever he wants and he knows when you need a licking. And so I'd hate for it if, if somebody's really evil and I take vengeance on them, and then God says, sorry you did that, Dave, because I had something way more brutal than that in mind. You know, I was going to nail them, and when I nailed them, they weren't even going to have anybody to blame, and as they were recuperating in the hospital, they were going to turn to me. But instead, now they're just angry at Christians, and then you're a bunch of bitter, weird people, and I got beat up by a cult leader. And, and, and so Paul's going, let's let God do it. He's really good at that. He doesn't say there's no place for wrath. He says make room for wrath. Don't you get in the way of what God's going to do. I also think that sometimes, you know, Pastor Chuck used to always say, if you defend yourself, God will let you. But if you don't defend yourself, then God will defend you. A lot of times we get in the way of what God's going to do. Also think, by the way, that when you're nagging your partner or somebody in your family, I think God may be wanting to speak to them, but because of the way that you're doing it, God sometimes goes, okay, if you got it under control, go ahead, let's see if your nagging really does change them. Let's, go, let, let's see if she really will wise up because you keep lecturing her. And God just goes, yeah, do it yourself. Because it's so, 
it's so freakishly incredible how many times I have seen it when there are people who have had problems for years and they finally stop bugging each other. They finally stop lecturing each other. They finally stop trying to fix each other. Finally, a parent shuts up. Finally, a husband or a wife shuts up. Finally, kids shut up. And then God speaks. And then people act like, God just shared the coolest thing with me, a brand new insight. And you go, what do you mean? I've been telling you that for 15 years. Yeah, I know, but you must have said it different. No, it's because God's the best one to do that. So let him do his job. Don't play Holy Spirit in people's lives. Don't step in. You know, it's not your job to convict people of their sins. It's not your job to make them feel guilty. In fact, all you can do usually is leverage them in a way that will cause them to rebel against you. You know, I often talk to parents about trust your kids. And they go, but they're so untrustworthy. I'm afraid they'll do, they'll do bad things. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to do bad things whether you trust them or not. But your pestering them is certainly never going to have the effect that you want it to have. But you're trusting them to the Lord and turning them over to him. It's amazing sometimes what he can do and how he can get through. So the whole idea is when you're dealing with people, why do you need to throw yourself into the middle of it? Why do you need to be at odds with other members of your family, your brothers and sisters in the Lord? You'll make yourself the issue. I know I've done this so many times. I have used up so much energy trying to do God's job. And I really, I don't want to, I just don't have it anymore in me. And I really want to see him do his job. And if that means making somebody feel bad, I'd rather have him do it. If that means speaking gently to someone, I'd like him to do it. If he needs to straighten somebody out or convict somebody of sin, I want him to do it because he's just way better at it than I am. And in fact, he cares more about what's right than I do. So you talk about vengeance being his and he will repay. Yes, he will. Evil people are going to get what they deserve. And it seems like, according to this text, that they'll even get it quicker if you'll stay out of God's way. See, a lot of times, God just doesn't want to give you, know, you the satisfaction of thinking that you were right in doing what you were doing. So if you're out there throwing a big stink about somebody and and, and you're, you know, upset with who they are or how they do what they do and all that kind of thing, then God goes, you know what, I, you've got a point. They really do need to be dealt with, but I don't want you to win. I don't want you to feel like you were right because this isn't about winning and losing. And so as a result, a lot of times, he'll just let something go as long as you're dealing with it. And when you decide you can't deal with it anymore, when you decide you're all out of ideas, then God will work. And if a person needs to be nailed, he'll nail them. If a person needs to be comforted, he'll, he'll do that as well. But he knows perfectly what to do. And believe me, he has higher standards for righteousness than we ever could. So you're not the enforcer. 
I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner. I'm a servant. I work for the one who says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. I don't want to get vengeance on anyone. Because A, I might be wrong, and B, even if I'm right, God can do it better than I can. And then this verse that you've heard a lot about, it's a quote from Proverbs. He says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, there are, in fact, most preachers who preach on this passage will tell you there are several different stories about what this means. And there are some people who say, in villages back in those days, one of the courteous things that you would do is, is when you had a fire that had hot coals, somebody would come over with a hat on their head and you'd shovel nice hot coals into that hat and it would keep them warm as they're walking back to their house and then they could use that to start their own fire. There are other pastors who say that in their culture, there was, it was like putting a heating pad on someone who was sick. It had a healing sort of an effect. There are, people, there are all these stories about what this means, but it means exactly what it says. All those stories are fanciful. You can go back and check church history and you find out preachers made up those stories because they can't believe that God would say something like this. But read it in context. He already said, make way for my vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so it means exactly what it says. If you will do good to people who are jerks, then it'll eat them up. It'll, 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 they'll feel stupid. They'll, be, they'll feel the heat from the contrast of, of the way that you're treating them. And again, of course, the idea is hopefully it'll bring them to repentance. But it'll also, you know how it is. When you're being difficult and someone's just really sweet back to you and someone's really kind to you, you feel bad. You want them to get into it with you. You're hoping that you can have a good fight. It's no fun to fight somebody who just lays there. It's no fun to, you know, fight somebody who's just going, well, you know, I love you so much. Whack. How about now? Oh, I love you even more. I... You'd be, you'd be like, oh, why won't you fight with me? Why, why can't we clash? The truth is, when somebody has treated you poorly, if you will return, you know, good for that evil, that'll have the greatest effect on them possible. And not just in a, oh, it's so comforting, in a convicting way, in a way that, and, you know, I have known people who are just evil people and when someone in their family who, who loves them just decides to start loving them and, and being kind to them and accepting of them, I've seen it just drive them crazy. I've seen it really just rip them apart. And I've seen both. I've seen people finally change because of it. And I've seen other people who just leave. They just can't take it anymore. They can't stand to be around someone who makes them feel so convicted because you aren't like them. Whichever it is, however God wants to do that, the, the advice is really clear. If someone 
you know, don't repay evil for evil. If someone does something bad to you, do something good back to them. And in the context, if they need to be nailed, God will nail them. God's going to judge them. He'll take care of them. He'll deal with them. Don't even try to get even. If you do, you'll hurt yourself. There are so many people who are so trapped by bitterness because of the way they've been treated in the past. And so often I, I sit down with somebody whose life is miserable. They hate life. They, 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 they wish they were not even alive anymore because life has just hurt so much. And, and you talk to them and hurts are sometimes some of the things from a long time ago that they just can't get free from. And it's really tragic, it's sad. But you know, the person who sent them there, the person who injured them, they're not feeling bad. It's the victim so often that ends up feeling bad, that ends up as the one that's carrying the damage. And a lot of times that turns into a bitterness and an anger. And someone has said, staying bitter at someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's just destroying you. And, you know, I'm totally sympathetic to you, totally sympathetic. If you've been in a situation in your life whereby another person has treated you horribly or abused you or victimized you or, or insulted you so much that they tear you down and, and you just feel like a speck of dirt, you just feel like... and I. I talk to people like that all the time and it breaks my heart. However, you're not gonna get that person to make you feel better. And you feeling bitter against them isn't gonna help. You feeling bitter is just a way that you let them still control you. At some point, what I have to decide, if I have any kind of wisdom at all, is this person treated me horribly, this person has hurt me. This person has wounded and injured me. But I've decided I'm going to stop letting them control my life. I'm going to stop letting them define who I am. And so I have to find a way to turn that over to the Lord. To say, God, you saw what happened. You saw what this person has done. and You see how it's hurt me, but I know you want me to heal. And the sooner I can let go of my bitterness, the sooner you're going to be able to heal me. So to, to be able to know that God will deal with people who do those sorts of things, those mean, evil people, to, to understand that is the first step. And unless you've been really abused or treated really horribly, maybe you don't, can't even get your head around this, but where something so evil has been done to you that it just really does serious damage. But if you've been there, you understand that you feel like something has to be done. And what Paul is saying is, leave that up to the Lord. You've got to get to the point where this person doesn't still have control of your life. They're still not defining you. You're still not hearing they, their voice telling you that you're worthless, telling you that you're a piece of garbage, telling you that no one cares about you. You've heard from God. He says that's a lie. Stop being a slave 
to lies. Stop listening to people who are idiots, who don't have any right to tell you anything. Hey, they can take away your freedom for a period of time, and they can definitely damage you. And, you know, they say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's so untrue. I've been hit with sticks and stones. I, today, I have a few nagging injuries from that. But compared to the psychic injuries of things that people have said, it's nothing. And the truth is, for many of us, in our past are those damaging wounds that have happened. And some of them involve evil people who still haven't been taken care of, and they seem like they're thriving. Let go of them and turn them over to the Lord and ask him to deal with it however he wants to. But by all means, please, don't let that person still have a role in your life. Don't let what they have said continue to affect and define who you are. That will only make you that much more unhealthy. And to evil people who have treated you horribly, when they see you that way, it justifies that much more to them what they've done. Because they feel like, see, look what an awful person you are. So the best revenge is to rise above that, to grow through it, to release them to the Lord, to say, God, that's, that's your problem now. And to as much as you can, move on. Oh, you make choices. You decide, I don't let anyone put me in that situation again. But at the same time, to make sure that this isn't baggage that you carry. Because God has a glorious future for each of us. He has amazing plans for us. And the more baggage we carry with us, the less effective we will be in experiencing the life that God has for us. And we've got to learn to let go. We have to learn to get past it. A part of as much as is possible with you, be at peace with all men, is there are some people that you need to just put in your past. You just need to move beyond that. And forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you, you know, oh, the relationship is okay now. No, it means that you say, I've been involved in this enough. God, take care of it. And however he wants to take care of it is fine. You know, ultimately, if they don't answer for it until they get to hell, isn't that enough? Isn't that going to do the trick? You know, and so... Again, the heart of Paul here is, okay, yeah, you're, there are certain things that you can't do anything about. There are certain times when you are victims of very unfair behavior. But he's going, you can rise above it by not letting that control you. You can trust that to the Lord and find a way to be at peace as much as you possibly can in your life and in your heart. And then he goes on to say, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Good is something that evil just can't deal with. It's like a light in a dark room. One little light lights up a whole room. Darkness can't overcome light. Light can overcome darkness. And when you are good... 
That's something that evil cannot compete with. The best vengeance is to live a good life, is to care about others, is to realize that there has been treatment that you have endured that the textbooks would say would turn you into someone who repeats that pattern. You've been abused, so therefore you're going to be an abuser. Break that pattern. Break the pattern of evil by allowing good to be the way you choose to live your life. I don't understand how some people can be as evil as they are. And in my experience, some of the most evil people I've ever known, you'd never suspect it. In fact, you want to really find evil people um, in, in a book, The People of the Lie by Scott Peck. He said, you talk to sometimes kids that are really messed up and they're, they're sent into a, you know, a counselor for a counselor to try to fix them. He said, a lot of times, look at the sick child and find out who put them there, who sent them, who's behind all that. And sometimes somebody who seems very respectable and very normal is just as sickeningly evil as they could possibly be. I remember one time there was a person, I'm trying to think of how much of the details I should conceal, but there was a person who, when I was a new Christian, was very, very super spiritual and very, very judgmental of me. And at one point, I mean, he was just, he went through the roof because I was leading a youth group and, and I played some secular music. And it was a great point to the music. It was a powerful lesson that we learned, but you're playing secular music in a church and to my kids and everything. And this was like somebody who I didn't even think he had ever sinned. He certainly acted like he hadn't. He came across so straight-laced and respectable, and in every way to everyone in his life, he was held up as being you know, just a pinnacle. He was the kind of guy that I thought, I don't think I could ever be that good of a Christian like this guy. And years later, through getting to know some of his kids, and finally I went down to the courthouse and read testimony in, a, in, an, in an abuse case, um, I found out that he was doing unspeakably evil things to his kids, to his foster kids, adopted kids. And I was just like shocked because I thought, you, never mind what I said, but you, you son of Belial, <laughs> biblical term, um, you made me feel like I'm a lousy Christian. And you made people think that you were this magnificent, the closest thing to God there was. And deep down inside, you were one of the most evil people I've ever known. And it was just weird. It was like, how does that even happen? How can you be that way? Well, that's evil. And there's a lot more of it around than we realize. And it's doing a lot more damage sometimes than we know. And when you look at kids who are like messed up and stuff, 
You have no idea sometimes the evil that is behind that. Personally, you know, yeah, you know, you see kids with the, the whole goth thing and they're all obsessed with death and all that. And I, you know, it seems kind of silly, Halloween y to me. And, and, and some of it turns into really bad things. But imagine how they got that way. Imagine what it is that really brought them to that point, that really inspired that sort of value system. And you find beneath the surface that the devil is so real. He really is. He's a real person. And he's not primarily in the rock and roll business. He's working in people that you'd never suspect. Evil, just like Satan. Satan is, he's an angel. He comes like an angel of light. He doesn't ever, he, he always looks more like John Denver than Ozzy Osbourne. He's like not really obvious. He's, he's subtle. He knows how to best destroy people. And as tragic as it is, there are some people that think they worship Satan. Even people in the church of Satan don't believe in Satan. They're just trying to freak out Christians. But it's that respectable person who, who, who says that they're a child of God, who, who thinks that they represent him, who goes around pointing their finger and making other people feel like they'll never be good enough, making other people feel like God can't love you because you messed up, because you failed, because you sinned. Now God's finished with you and he hates you. That's evil. And it exists in the places where you least expect it. And the only way to respond to that is with good. It's not to do battle against evil. You know, my battle isn't against evil, really. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood either. And we're going to see on Sundays as we get to Ephesians 6 how we do battle and how it happens. But the battle for me is to allow goodness to control my life, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead and to guide me. As soon as my eyes are on the dark and I'm taking my attention off the light, and the light is where the power is, the truth of the gospel, the grace of God, the, the, the magnificent reality of what he has done for us, the fact that he really loves you, that he wants to be in fellowship with you, that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, he wants to save the world. He isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his heart. That's the good. That's the message. It's a message of love and grace. And a part of that is, the message is we need love and grace. And the truth is that we are condemned. He didn't come to condemn us. We're already condemned. We're all on our way to hell. You can see it in the way we live our lives, in the way we make decisions, in how we so often self-destruct. You can tell we're in trouble. But we have a message that can wipe that out, that can snuff that out. Let God deal with the evil. Good will conquer evil. It's the only thing that will. You can't fight fire with fire. You can't, like, you know, 
come up with, there was a movie years ago, I can't remember the name of it, but Michael Douglas was in it where all these judges were upset about people who were going free on technicalities. And so, and so they would, the judges got together and they would present a case of somebody that really deserved to die, but court couldn't convict him. And then they would just hire a hitman to kill him. And it was, I mean, it sucks you right in because you're going, this is what we need. This is what we ought to do, yeah. Star Chamber, I think that was the name of it. But eventually, those people became incredibly evil. And the results, they missed a call and now couldn't bring it back and it, was, it deteriorated. That's always the result of trying to fight evil with evil. Is that the people who are so concerned about evil become even more evil than the people that they're trying to correct the people that they're trying to address don't do that don't let evil people make you evil instead realize the best thing you can do is turn it over to god and and good trumps evil every time good will always bring about god's ultimate result but you know when you see evil it makes you want to get evil on them and it's true, and they deserve that, but not from us. It's not for us to take vengeance. We can only handle one thing at a time, and that is, I better fight the evil in my own heart. I've got to worry about me. I want to try to allow the, the Lord to make me into a better person, and then good will take care of evil. And a perfect God is going to judge, condemn, and destroy everyone who deserves destruction unless they've found his grace. And let's face it, we all deserve destruction. We're all evil in one way or another. We don't have to live that way. And we don't have to let evil people redefine us and turn us into angry, bitter people. That's they get the last laugh if we do that. Our life is destroyed and they take satisfaction in it. We don't need that. We don't want that. Well, I thought we'd get through chapter 13. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think we'll just leave that for, for next week because um, I don't want to rush. I don't like rushing communion, you know. I... I love to just really spend time reflecting on what it means that, that Jesus died for us, shed his blood for us, that he wants to forgive us. There isn't anything that will tell us more about good conquering evil than the symbols of what happened on the cross. And it was for us. It taught us how God deals with our sin took it on himself he took the hit so that we could be set free let's pray Lord we thank you for the truth of your word and, and so often man we look at things in this life we look at this world and and we so much want to see it fixed. 
we see people who are damaging other people and we so much want to see them stopped. And yet, in doing that, a lot of times, we become even greater victims of evil people and of Satan himself because here our bitterness and our anger ends up turning us into something that we don't want to be. And in so doing, we turn away from your grace, your love, your joy and your peace. Lord, thank you for letting us know in so many ways, in so many different ways as, as we're, we've been going through this book of Romans and as we'll see next week in chapter 13, even with a, a government that's it's not what we'd want it to be, that you give us a way of escape, that you can help us to navigate ourselves through an evil, dying world without us having to get evil and dying. And Lord, I thank you that whatever needs to happen to evil people, you're going to take care of it. Help us, please, to, to leave that to you. Help us not to take vengeance for ourselves. Help us not to play Holy Spirit in people's lives, too. God, help us to, to give you room to work. Help us to stay out of that whole department and just to let you really do what it is that you do so well. And Lord, as we reflect on the meaning of communion, so impressive that when you took our sins upon yourself, you became one of us and, and then you took the sins of the world on, on your shoulders and they, they beat you and they spit in your face, they insulted you, questioned you, abused you, made fun of you. And finally, after beating you almost to death, they, they nailed you to a cross and you never raised a finger to defend yourself. You didn't lash out with angry threats as you could have. You spoke words not of hell and destruction, but you spoke words of grace and forgiveness in the middle of your suffering. And Lord, we need more of that. As we partake of these elements, I pray that we would really be partaking of, of you, of your character, of your goodness. Because when you submitted yourself to the will of the Father and you died on the cross for us, evil was defeated when you said it is finished. May you work in our lives in such a way that evil is defeated 
within us, against us. As you set us free to just trust you, to take care of everything, to make everything right, to redeem everything to yourself, and to judge and condemn anyone who insists on it. And Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do for us, for your patience with us, for your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the men come.